Hi, I'm Tom, and today we're going to be talking about Star Wars, talking about it in terms of the series of films, talking about it in terms of the cultural phenomenon, and talking about it in terms of what it means to me. Um, the first Star Wars re was released into theatres in 1977, 42 years ago, but I've grown up watching the original films and watching the prequel trilogy released across the early 2000s. In 1977, this film was totally an unknown property that simply resonated with audiences and had people all over the planet queuing up to see it. That film was just called Star Wars. It's now known by Star Wars A New Hope, Episode 4. It isn't really that complicated, but the way the films were released was it went 4, 5, 6, 1, 2, 3, 7, 8, and then 9 is coming out next month. Uh, all part of this thing called the Skywalker Saga. Um, the Skywalker Saga um, is based on the family, the Skywalkers, that's the name, and we follow the series predominantly uh, through uh, Luke Skywalker um, and he's one of the most well-known film protagonists of all time. He was introduced as a lowly farm boy in A New Hope, that's episode 4, with hopes, dreams, aspirations of a better life and he has the quintessential hero's journey and for whatever reason the power set and ideology of the Jedi that Luke goes on to become um, really resonates with audiences and is really cool. Um, the franchise has been talked to death from angles of the spectacular to the disappointing, but one of the key words I associate with it is generational. I know that I was introduced to Star Wars by my dad, and as far as I'm aware, A New Hope remains one of his favourite films of all time. The moment that really took this point from being personal to me to actually one that's ingrained in the Star Wars name was the reception and reaction to The Force Awakens. The Force Awakens was the reawakening of the Star Wars franchise in 2015. George Lucas, the series' original creative force, had ended his directorial duties in 2005 with Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, but went on to sell the film rights to Disney. They released um, this new new picture um, with J.J. Abrams as director in the end of 2015, um, and I remember quite vividly going to see it, and... Um, seeing families there where you had sort of a granddad, a dad, a son, a, uh, a nan, a mum, a daughter, all watching it together as in the sort of series has been passed down through the generations. And um, not only does that exist in our world, but um, you have a very lineal structure to the series of films where the prequel trilogy has Anakin Skywalker, um, his son Luke um, is the key figure in the original trilogy, and now in the sequel trilogy you have uh, like Ben Solo, the offspring of Han and Leia, uh, sort of being quite a key character. So um, generational really is a word I associate quite heavily with the series, and one of the reasons I love it so much. As I said, we are just now a month away, or just over a month away, from Star Wars Rise of Skywalker Episode Nine and the so-called end of the Skywalker saga. And disappointingly I do find myself lacking the levels of excitement that I had for The Force Awakens in 2015 or even The Last Jedi in 2017. With The Force Awakens there was a 10 year gap of no on-screen or like in theatres Star Wars content um, and the trailers for it made us so ready for the return of the series that we missed for so long and I really enjoyed The Force Awakens. It had that in super intense conclusion where Rey met Luke for the first time and it led to all this excitement for The Last Jedi even with the trailers and articles maybe hinting that it was going in unexpected directions. I couldn't have possibly expected how wildly sort of expected The Last Jedi was going to become. It, it opened in a sort of bizarre sense, not focusing on the way The Last Jedi and The Force Awakens ended. It opened with the sort of weird Poe Dameron scene with serious misfirings of comedy. There was a your mama joke. 
um, it fell down at the hurdle, which is that Star Wars is a limited world that is potentially creatively bankrupt. And when the film over and over again tried to subvert expectations, you realised more deeply that you sort of, in the Star Wars universe you're closed in in quite a contained box. I'd only heard of the director, Ryan Johnson, from this property and the interviews he'd done. Uh, and he seemed alright and continues to seem pretty reasonable on Twitter. Um, but the film, being his unadulterated vision, he was the writer-director, um, is a total mess. Um, and it got Star Wars wrong. Um, when George Lucas developed the story for the original Star Wars uh, and crafted his heroes and villains, he tapped into elements of theology, mysticism, mythology and as well as his knowledge of classic films, and befitting a story set a long time ago. Um, Real-life history also played a central role in shaping his space opera. There's nothing subtle about this, the, about the historical illusion in Star Wars. After all, the elite assault forces fanatically devoted to the Galactic Empire share a common name with paramilitary fighters who defended the Nazis, stormtroopers. The Imperial officers in uniforms and even Darth Vader's helmet resemble those worn by German army members in World War II, and the gradual rise of Palpatine from Chancellor to Emperor mirrored Adolf Hitler's similar political ascent from Chancellor to Dictator. Star Wars these days, I feel, has lost some of the magic, intelligence um, that it's sort of known for, and almost takes itself too seriously. I'm worried that that will be particularly noticeable in The Rise of, Je uh, rise of Skywalker. And... I would love for the trilogy to end in an efficient, satisfying, hopefully surprising way, but having seen the trailer, I just can't see it. Um, the best part of the trailer, once again, sort of uh, quite a common theme in the sequel trilogy, is that the the old generation characters remain the most endearing. When C-3PO says a line in the trailer, something along the lines of, um, I'm very happy to be here amongst my friends, um, I, I was... Sort of, sort of kind of teary eyed it was like they're not telling a complete story in the trailer but the way they make these trailers these days um, do put, a, put across a sort of nostalgic uh, complete wholesome feel um, and the marketing schemes are, are well done um, I recently re-watched Empire Strikes Back and I was taken aback by how how just how efficient the storytelling is the runtime is over two hours and it just flies by the film is absolutely beautiful in visuals and particularly in sound design. Star Wars as a series must have the most recognisable sound of any franchise out there. From a lightsaber igniting to a TIE fighter screeching to the score itself, the Imperial March, um, it's too good. I do actually think, I know sort of, it's a bit, bit wild accusation, but I do think Empire Strikes Back is practically perfect and every scene is is perfect we don't get that anymore if i were to rank the movies this would be number one in fact i think i'm gonna rank them i'll take this little opportunity with rise of skywalker to go on a bit of a star wars tirade um so at number one we would have empire strikes back uh, released in 1980 directed by Irvin kershner um secondly i'd have the original a new hope and to be fair there is an argument that it should be number one empire couldn't be as good as it was without this film existing um, and the main three characters' arcs in, are started and closed in a single movie. Leia goes from being a very individually motivated person to seeing the strength in others and relying on others. Um, Han, who 
I don't know if I chop and change between Han and Han. I'm sorry, it happens. Um, Han, who doesn't want to get involved in causes, is inspired by the passion shown by Obi Wan, Luke, and Leia for the Resistance. Um, and the opening scene is stunning. Um, you open on a shot of like the Rebel cruiser, um, Princess Leia's ship, and you're thinking, "Wow, the sort of uh, models here, the design is spectacular. It's quite an epic." a vehicle for an epic space opera and then the imperial star destroyer cuts into frame and blows out of proportion your expectations of the film um and it moves on to the sort of attack on the rebel cruiser where you sort of see the stormtroopers and darth vader for the first time you see the robot design force 3po and r2d2 um and george lucas might have been the first director who made science fiction feel real by basing it in the real world the characters feel real the world seems lived in um it it took it was a different element for sci-fi fantasy um third you it's tough i'd probably go return of the jedi i'm a bit of a sickler for a happy ending uh, and you don't get much happier than ewoks partying on the forest moon of endor um the lightsaber battles here have, have stepped up another level Initially, when the rebels are escaping Jabba's barge, R2-D2 fires Luke's lightsaber from across the pit, and it's just awesome. Um, but that Luke versus Vader pivotal climactic scene um, might just be the best action set piece in the series. When Vader senses that Luke is concealing the identity, identity of someone he loves, his sister, Leia, the score builds momentarily as you believe Luke might turn to the dark side. And... I mean, obviously he winds up not, and it's even more powerful when he doesn't, but that moment where the score just builds and you get a sense of the power of John Williams um, is super impressive. You would say that this film is not as well directed um, as the first two. Um, the forest moon set is really cool, and the bike chase sequence does break up the film well, but it does mean that Han Solo spends an awful lot of time just stood in front of the same military door and doesn't get a great deal to do compared to... Um, his great character building in Empire. George Lucas had always planned on the series being for kids. His execution of this is sort of debatable. Um, in the first, the first two fail to fail to put that message across. I think. I think in New Hope, you see the charred charred skeletons of Aunt Beru and Uncle Owen. That's un um, Luke Skywalker's uh, guardians at the time. Um, and it's it's brutal, and in Empire, Darth Vader becomes a lot more menacing. Um, but this instalment gets the closest to Lucas's original aim, sort of being a children's series. Beyond the Ewoks, the film is genuinely hopeful, and Luke's never give up attitude is totally poignant to the whole plot. I'd say number four would I'd go for the Force Awakens. This is the 2015 release, the um, soft reboot of the franchise from Disney. Um, there are obvious claims that it's not a rip-off of A New Hope, but is heavily inspired by A New Hope. Um, it really just kind of... It, it use, it, it's inspired, it's written by the same guy, Lawrence Kasdan. I think he thinks that he can put out the same script again and no one will notice, but it, it's a really enjoyable piece of film and you can tell effort and love has been put into it. Um, Because Ray the Scavenger, uh, played by Daisy Ridley, is the main lead in this story, and she smashes it out of the park. 
to consider that uh, Ray was, or sorry, Daisy Ridley was, uh, this was the first time she'd be on set for more than two weeks is absolutely incredible because when she's on screen, she's an absolute delight. Um, Finn John Boyega is also an absolute delight on screen. The the guy uh, reacts in the most endearing ways. You believe his character is new to this universe. Um, as the actor is, I think there's a bit of duality there. Um, but I and and actually they're not outshone by the existing characters. Han Solo, uh, Harrison Ford uh, has still got it. Um, but he's not. He doesn't outshine the existing cast. And there's good writing for the new characters. I was scared about the return of Harrison Ford because there are a few worrying signs. His performance as Indiana Jones in the well at that time the most recent one was in uh, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull felt almost sluggish and lazy like sort of giving up caring a little bit um and but the line chewy we're home which debuted debuted in the second teaser trailer for the film um it garnered like a very positive response online i think a lot of people some fans there's videos of them reacting online sort of in tears but i i felt as if harrison looked kind of a little bit like he was wanted to be retired and wanted to be at home chilling in a comfortable chair. Um, Kylo Ren, uh, his his son actually, I mean, they did quite a good job casting him. He looks sort of vaguely similar. Um, but I think he's probably the best character that exists in the sequel trilogy alongside Rey. Um, General, now, now General, previously Princess Leia, um, was portrayed really well by Carrie, Frisch, Carrie Fisher, rest in peace. Um, and Poe Dameron, the ex-employer, doesn't get a great deal to do in The Force Awakens, but really makes an impact where he where he does. Um, and BB-8 add, is added to our list of lovable droids. Um, he might outdo 3PO on my little ranking of favourite droids. I think R2-D2 is undeniably the best Star Wars droid. Uh, always there in a moment of need. Um, but... Some of the some of the interaction between the droids and the characters was the most endearing in Force Awakens. It's been the moment when um, sort of it's become a bit of a popular gif on the internet where uh, BB-8 uses um, some kind of flame to provide a thumbs up in conversation with Ray. Um, is really fun stuff. Um, in this one, um, you can feel the love and effort put into the visuals. While this film's marketing campaign was focused on a return to practical effects, the computer-generated effects were incredible too. Some of the scenes of the Millennium Falcon kept me on the edge of my seat, and the lightsaber effects looked immensely realistic for the fact they're total, not totally not real. Um, the tone of the film was incredibly important too. It needed to put you back in the world of Star Wars. Um, needed needed to make you feel as if you were a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. The film succeeds, not just from the inclusion of figurehead characters of the series, but John Williams' score takes a slightly different approach this time round. Instead of producing smash uh, themes like the Imperial March or Jewel of the Fates, which salvaged episode one, he went about producing mu music that really complemented the script. Uh, the score of the final scene, um, as Ray is climbing up the um, islands, sort of hills, um, to meet meet Luke is uh, apprehensive. It's anticipating. It's uh, really exhilarating, and it leaves you wanting to either rewatch this film or walk straight into Episode Eight. For fifth place, we're jumping back to uh, 2005. Revenge of the Sith finished off a somewhat disappointing trilogy for the series, um, and the film itself isn't great. 
but I've reached a point with it where I can laugh at the poor bits rather than be uh, be mad. Um, that wouldn't have happened five years ago, uh, and I can credit some of that transformation to the subreddit um, our prequel memes. Um, for whatever reason, uh, they absolutely love the prequel trilogy and make quality memes, and it's led to almost every line in the film becoming iconic. You think, another happy landing, I have the high ground, so uncivilised. Did you ever hear the tra- Did you ever hear of the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? Um, unfortunately, the memes can't fix everything, and Padme dying of a broken heart, for example, is undeniably stupid. Um, I understand that it's a sci-fi fantasy series, but you that doesn't excuse or allow you to ignore all logic. You have to stay in the confines of the world you've established, uh, and humans in Star Wars, at least in terms of health, are still humans. <coughs> At six, we have Solo, a Star Wars story. This was only released... Uh, this was the only Disney released one that I didn't see in cinemas. The production was wrought with rumours of directorial problems. I'm not surprised at the rumours having seen the movie, because there are some things that I feel really strong about it, and some things that are pretty unforgivable. The cinematography for a film with this high-level budget is shocking. Um, Ron Howard has cemented himself as one of the weaker Star Wars directors, probably alongside Richard Marquant, who did Return of the Jedi. Um... The film is so muddy, murky, you, it, it, not in every scene, but it, in some it's genuinely difficult to tell which character you're focusing on. Um, quite bizarre, really. Um, but the story and the character presentation itself is quite strong. The sequel trilogy um, of this Skywalker saga killed off Han in Episode 7, um, and Chewie has been underutilised since then. This film really gave the characters a chance to shine, um, and the moment towards the end when you think Chewie might have ditched Han but then returns to save him was genuinely quite emotional. Um, it really took advantage of the small hints of the Star Wars underbelly that other films have mentioned or hinted at, and it used them effectively. You think the bounty hunters in Empire Strikes Back, you think about the sort of dingy bars uh, on Coruscant in Attack of the Clones, um, Solo really sort of brought the best elements of those together and demonstrated that this series does have a future that it's the universe isn't just reliant on empire rebels and people clashing lightsabers together i think it's it shows the series does have a future following that i've placed i've gone with another star wars story one of the anthology pictures rogue one tells the story of how the rebels acquired the death star plans prior to episode four and the film itself has already put itself in a corner, because the audience roughly knows how the story's going to end. It had to present the whole journey as interesting and engaging, but it didn't do that. Um, it, The characters are horrendously boring, and it only really got good when you're looking at things related to episode 4. Um... The film, yeah, it, it's a precursor to a much better film, and you you sense that as the film progresses, the action, the action really ramps up in the last hour, and they use I did love this that they used B footage from uh, the cutting room floor from episode four to digitally insert the same actors piloting for the X wings for the band of rebels. Um, was it? It was probably the same character who said like stay on target. That guy. Um, I've seen Rogue One described as the best Star Wars film ever, and it's hard to disagree. Um, 
I've already spoken about how disappointing I found The Last Jedi, Episode 8. Um, and so I would put it there uh, next in the in the ranking, I think, uh, following Rogue One. Um, and not be, uh, below the next two I'm going to talk about. Um, if you're paying attention, the last two should be quite obvious. We're talking about Episode 1, A Phantom Menace, and Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. They're both such messes that it's hard to separate them. In fact, they switch... Um, they switch around in my head fairly regularly. Attack of the Clones might be slightly worse technically, but I enjoy Obi-Wan in that movie much more than uh, in Phantom Menace. So I'm going to I'm going to give Attack of the Clones the penultimate spot and I'm going to I'm going to put Phantom Menace in last place. It's so boring and apart from the Jewel of the Fates piece of music, there really isn't anything redeeming about it. Um, it's sad when the Lego game has aged better than the feature films it's based on. Attack of the Clones facilitates a shocking performance from uh, Hayden Christensen as Anakin Skywalker. His romance with Padme is simultaneously over and underwritten, um, and because of that, George Lucas's writing and direction, and the fact they were shooting everything on blue screens down sound stages really doesn't make the actor's job as easy as it could be bizarre like oh where am i going a bizarre problem that attack of the clones had was that none of the main characters were actually a protagonist um anakin is a little kid who doesn't influence the plot substantially enough Obi-Wan sits on the ship for the whole thing with no hint of the personality Alec Guinness gave him in episode 4. And Liam Neeson as Qui-Gon Jinn seems to betray everything we know about the wise Jedi, who are also who kind of takes a back seat in key scenes anyway. He uses the Force in sort of morally dubious ways. I, don't, I know it's trying to expand whether the Jedi are actually good or not. Episode 8 also um, dives into this question a little bit. Uh, do the Jedi cause the problems they have to face but it's it's weird because you start this trilogy with this Liam Neeson character seemingly, in terms of screen time he's probably the biggest, um, but you kill him off in the first first episode because you need to focus on the relationship between Obi-Wan and Anakin for the emotional impact to resonate when Anakin betrays him. When we do get hints of um, their growing friendship, like when they're held captive by Count Dooku um, the film sort of comes alive and you do and Ewan McGregor does perform quite well and Natalie Portman's pretty good it's just disappointing that not all the actors are of the same calibre um, Phantom Menace has potentially aged more poorly um, the editing now seems totally in keeping with some other tr usual traits of 90s films um, irritating wipe transition cards plague the whole thing you've got ones that are sort of left to right you've got circles and center hours and it doesn't it's not like artistic i think it's george just messing around in in uh i don't know uh what adobe uh premiere pro or whatever software he was using back in 2000 um i am despite all this very excited for rise of skywalker i think uh jj abrams has got a really good opportunity to turn the ship around and try and get the world back on track with Star Wars. I think um, Star Wars is a massive cultural phenomenon. It's not... Um, it, it sort of really actually... I think it 
far as the greatest insight into sort of film conversation that you get every time there's a big release everyone talks about it and i think it has the longevity um of a series that maybe like something like the mcu which is so prevalent at the moment might not have um i'm really happy i've had a chance to explain all my feelings on the different films i've been watching them for years and enjoying them for years so um hopefully you found that interesting uh thank you for listening uh i'll be here next week um talking about some other some other film that i enjoy or maybe i'll find something to moan about who knows all right i'll catch you later bye cheers